Hello, welcome to the Palma Podcast. This episode is going to be on questions. Now, it's not what are the questions and as we think about, but the ability to question. Um, that, what we don't appreciate, is our superpower as a species, as humans. It doesn't seem to be all that impressive that we question nearly everything going on around us and that we have that ability, but it doesn't really exist in nature. Um, as we begun speaking and teaching sign language and other linguistic forms of interaction, there's some form, but it's not the same way we do it. And generally other beings don't bother to go that extra step to the questions beyond. And questions are important important to us because we get our advancement through them. Accepting the status as it is doesn't require questioning, it requires complicity, right? And there's a point where you don't have to question certain things, like we don't need to question that oxygen's important. It's part of what we need to live, so, you know, at this point, the question of oxygen is not up for debate. It is an absolute requirement of our existence, right? We know the percentages that our atmosphere needs for us to be able to be slightly viable, and uh, that is definable and measurable. The, the ability to use absurd logic and get um, somewhere from it is also tied into that questioning because the question is an opening of doorway whereas answers kind of close them off and in framing this talk it's not intended to seem critical of a theological effort to define however in the context of this talk Theological organizations are single-handedly more responsible than any other organization for suppressing the human effort to question. So I, I can't not acknowledge that truth and have the historical um, exercise of our questioning and how it's helped evolve us forward without, without acknowledging that fact. It's, not, it's just the way we're at and how it aims to structure things. So to keep a society together, you have to provide a sense of answers and you provide that sense of security against a broader range of questions that people have, and then they're able to work through them and build a common set of knowledges. And it's useful for teaching that we have that kind of toolbox to work from because I don't know it's just we've got so I have a question of the traffic in my neighborhood and attempting to um, do this without having the construction equipment being um, more common in the podcast than me we question as the method of our success we can use it in a way that no other species does because our idleness will lead us to question, right? And that's partly why 
many of us don't like to be idle because that questioning is also where a lot of negative self-talk can come from you know certainly depressive cycles usually become like they can have a lot of questioning as their root because that ability to question also opens these doorways to doubt because an anxiety is being created when we don't have that answer the answers to the bigger questions that remain unanswerable um, you know, the beyond death, the beyond mortality, the beyond consciousness, the beyond singular existence, all of those questions, be it metaphysical or theological, they scare us as a species because we don't find um, a concrete pathway to guide us, despite having, you know, several cultures um, exploring these issues deeply, you know, there's there's very interesting cults throughout history which have taken like necromatic study through you know death cycles to extreme levels and then you've got others and you know crazy eugenic cults on the other ends and weird body mod people who want to you know self-evolution stuff and you know, there's all sorts of different ways to question existence and its pathways and for some they, that route of the theological exercise and answer serves to provide all of those, you know, just stopgap as a method to say, okay, well, I don't need to question anymore. Because everywhere in our existence around us provides us with the opportunities for more questions. Uh, quite often, the behavior of the people around us, why the heck did they do that? All of those other things can make it really hard to figure out um, what's going on around us. And that constant questioning is part of that anxiety that I was talking about before. This ability is always why we can't have complete conformity around any topic, regardless of how universally obvious the facts on the ground may be. Some people are still always willing to question that uh, to a degree of not wanting to have that be true. And the process of questioning is natural, but we have the way we frame our, you know, if you're intentionally avoiding an answer and existing in some form of delusional state because you just refuse to accept a particular answer and have put blockages, that's, that's not questioning, it's a form of, you know, whatever, cognitive bias or obstructionism. Uh, and, and, you know, some form of strange dissonance. We want to question in order to move forward and to get us beyond barriers. So if you look at the way um, most forms of biological existence go through their life, right? So you change their environment, they'll usually adapt to it or perish. That tends to be you know, because there's an acceptance of the environment or the nature of the conditions around them. We haven't necessarily followed that path 100% of the time. We're willing to question the dynamics of our very environment and then, by the question, deduce some way to overcome it. And that's the unique advantage that we've had that allowed us to dominate over 
every other species on this planet is that ability to question because admittedly it's a fallacy as well as it, it helps us out but um overall other species don't bother to do that they'll inherently accept the nature of their conditions including their own extinction they won't now we're probably going to follow the same kind of pattern in the sense of uh, we could rationally be well aware of what's happening to us which we kind of are and choose to do nothing about it which is again why i want to talk about questions in the context both of history and our current reality because we've we're observing a partisanism that is changing the way people question things of it doesn't matter about the fact or the point of view but it's the source and the trust uh, that goes along with it so if the person is inside my team and giving me the information well then my team's information is better um, and that doesn't follow the questioning path that has brought us to so much success um, you want to explore things you don't want to stop applying your questioning um, ability to your own side and maybe that's a piece of it where i remain not as partisan though probably a progressive activist if people need to put some kind of label on it um, the insanity of most of the toe the party line positioning and the inability to question um, policy on a on a structural level because of you know a, a philosophical angle um, that's not a recipe for solid governance in a knowledge-based society um, we know how to do it better now we know which questions have already been answered we have system design principles that make you know we know how which methods to build um let's say water piping and sewage systems work better than others we have centuries of evidence now we have a lot of different materials and design constructs as well as Different, ap different applications of flow dynamics and physics and mathematics and all sorts of um, different sciences and efforts and lived experience and utilization to bear down on that subject matter. At this point in time, we should no longer be questioning that delivery system. We should merely be developing a more universally or standardized form of it for broader application and then just have it. Um, and reproduce that we don't do that because the nature of our economic world doesn't doesn't work that way but uh, we're not really questioning certain areas of um, that work anymore it's building upon very early ideas that we've just continued to advance and, and, uh, and add features to but the ability and desire to deliver fresh and potable water towards the civilian population in an urban sense is an activity that's been going on for thousands of years. And in some senses, that question of, hey, I wonder if I can get the water closer to where I live, or 
hey, I wonder if there's water down below me. I'm going to dig a hole and find it. You know, um, I talk about wonder and creativity and all of that. But the ability to question is at the root of all of it. And because it's so natural to us and so commonplace and everybody does it, we fail to appreciate how powerful it is. And state actors, you know, they understand the power of questioning, which is why they don't want anyone to do it, right? Um, totalitarian regimes function under the same kind of mantra. It's like, nope, this is our single doctrine. You shall absorb it. There shall be no deviation. And the ability for technology to create for us a bigger self-censoring environment so that we appear to be conforming within an environment where questions aren't necessarily allowed. Uh, it's very difficult to raise questions or explore topics or engage things um, in the public sphere these days because partisans have made everything into a side. And so you can't be a rational social conservative and acknowledge that there's climate change going on as the result of human activity, even though there's probably plenty of social conservatives who are absolutely certain that the science is not fucked up and there's clear evidence that the planet is having some real problems. Conversely, there's a lot of, you know, incredibly passioned warriors and whatever who like whatever, abuse their kids and have otherwise despicable human behaviors. We don't necessarily have um, single issue lives. We don't have um, single team-based existence, and yet we're being framed in these partisan ecosystems. And so I want people to question, uh, uh, in theme of this, but want people to question more why they don't question certain things. Right? That's, for me, it is if there is something that nobody is supposed to question, that is what makes me question. Um, that's a red flag. Questioning is so natural to our existence and our development that everything that can survive questioning does. And that's why we had it, you know. Uh, architectural sciences and how we build buildings and have them not completely fall down on us is something that we know. You know, in the modern era, we should not have these shoddy constructions that these crappy companies are doing because we know the science of how to build a building is something we've, again, been working on for a really, really long time. There are ways to map it all out so that the load bearing and you know all functions of spatial geometry line up and this is not you know hard stuff this is very straightforward angles and weights and pressures and foundations and anyway it's what we've figured out so you know if we don't question why these companies are able to build crappy stuff in the modern day and get away with it then you know you kind of got to go well that's something you kind of should question um, which brings me back to the, you know, my warning flag from the earlier portion in the episode. Um, it gives me great pause where a theological organization or state actor will take on a point of punishing people who question. Um, it is one thing to say, your questions are invalid, or I refuse to address them, I refuse to answer them, get out of my face, right? I mean, like, whatever. That is perfectly fine. But if merely the act of questioning something causes a counter-reaction, 
then there's a real problem in place. Again, I go back to everything that can survive questioning does. So, the only things that refuse to accept questioning are things that shouldn't survive, right? That it's, it's an if-then premise for me. And having explored so many schools of thought, everybody, just like me right here, is talking out of their ass. We're hoping people are going to go for it, find some value in it. And again, this is not to say there's not huge value in having social life organizations and structures for cultural norms that have allowed us to work together in peace. That's not the argument at all. My problem is tied into those elements are a incredibly repressive doctrine against the idea of questioning, which is our human gift. If anyone is to speak to a divine gift, the ability to question is that gift. And if it is, you know, if it is a subject of debate for people, if that is creator given, or if that is a fundamental component of our evolutionary design that gives us a unique advantage, that's up for questioning. Hey, and have fun doing that. And until there is such a clear and definitive sense of evidence that makes the question irrelevant, then the question will continue to exist. And that's why the questions do continue to exist and why there's such broad schools of thought in so many of these different disciplines, because we have no other choice but to question those. That which survives questioning, we establish as a simple order. That's the stuff we can embed into textbooks and we can teach it. And it proves true again and again and again. If you didn't know it and you discovered it, you would discover it to be true every single time in the same way. That's the benefit of objective truth, right? It actually solves the answer to the question. And you can move on to a new question or you can frame it. So we have this very strange behavior going on in our society now where we question things that are objectively true and we're not questioning things which are so obviously absurd in front of us. And I'm like, uh, what? And, you know, people talk about, we, we flipped into bizarro world or something like that, and there's something to it. Part of it is it's a counterforce activity from other social advances that we've had. Right? We, we really forget in the Western model and in the developed world that most of the freedoms we enjoy don't exist broadly and have only existed even where they are enjoyed for a very short period of time. So we, you know, this constant pressure to push society forward on a more progressive path is being, you know, smacked back in the face. And the risk is if you try to go too far, too quickly, that the snapback will actually set us back several hundred years. And that's entirely possible because you can get a gradual and accepted progress if it's solving and answering those questions. But if you're having an activist agenda that is trying to focus on a question that almost no one else is concerned about as a question of why this group is being denied their rights or what the issue is here, you're going to have a really hard time. If you can answer the question and that probably why we're seeing a big rise in success in um, in, uh, in climate-related uh, organizations, because the underlying message is truly unquestionable. 
I mean, we've been studying this and been critically aware and absolutely aware of these kinds of things since the 60s. I've known it my entire life. I mean, I empathize with young people who are like, you've stolen my future because I was absolutely on that page when I was their age and before, you know, like, it was clearly obvious. We had multiple potential sources. It wasn't necessarily, um, you know, just the climate change. It wasn't necessarily, I, and again, um, even at that time, I was a little bit more concerned in our pathway and lack of re regulation in, um, in biosciences, actually more than I was in climate change. Because in, in the climate change model uh, at the time, in the 80s, I was thinking 200 years out. Um, you know, I was just talking um, the other day and I was saying, you know, like when I was a kid, the, the clock was like 200. Now I'm more like on 70 years. And it's not that it's all life wiped out in 70 years. It is that no form of anything like what you want to be living will be life this planet, right? And that's where the terminus point is, for what I'm saying, where it is the point where no one is able to escape it. Um, and then the consequences are going to be really, really hard off, which is why, again, um, on that other one that I did, I talked about the, that the goal setting is, is laughably crazy. And I can understand totally why they're crazy and upset. Because there is a question, right? That's no longer a question. And regardless of whether or not entrenched interests want to create a question where there is not a question, by using that ability, right? Again, it's our natural instinct to question. So if a charlatan wants to come around and tap into that and go, hey, why aren't you questioning those climate scientists? Hey, you know, like, when do they get it? You know, they don't, don't they can't model anything correctly. And of course they can't model anything. This is unlike anything humans have ever encountered. It reflects into tidal sciences. It reflects into atmospheric components. We're talking soil erosion. We're talking toxification. We're talking acidification and changes of pH levels. We're talking about deoxygenation of freshwater systems. This is not about the weather, right? It is about the culminative effects of our global terraforming efforts. And that's, sorry, I completely ranted off of, but that's not a question. Right? And this has not been a question since the 60s. How it became a question, again, in 20-whatever, when people started trying to say, hey, you know, we really got to get on this, people. Um, it is not the specifics and the nature of how events are going to take place and like what's more likely and the modeling, absolutely thousands and an unlimited number of questions. But that there is consequence, that it's dramatic and that it's hitting our way and is already here is no longer in question and has, hasn't been since the 60s. And again, that again, kind of diverged into a bit of a rant there. But we question, the why not question the damn motives of the people who are telling you not to question things that are in your benefit, right? And people who, you know, why are people so against the idea of some kind of sufficiency guarantee, which is really what governments should be moving towards in an area of such global upheaval? We've seen it pattern. Really, you know, almost since the Boer Wars, which is like the tail end um, of the 1800s, right? Um, and the beginning of the 
he has that little cusp there, right? Late 1890s and, and 80s and stuff, right? So since about that time, we'd modeled more than enough economics. There'd been more than enough um, disruption in various uh, industries from the advancements in the Industrial Revolutions uh, as it was kind of developing up through that we probably could have adjusted our figure our, our systems then to go actually what we really need to have is a sufficiency guarantee that says certain little base things are going to it's not going to eliminate prosperity it's not going to eliminate the opportunity for prosperity just to not have um, a in a desperate class right? we're still going to have a poor class even with a sufficiency guarantee but it doesn't have to be a desperate class. And so why we don't question the structure of that system? We don't question when people talk about um, certain economic models that can't, or it's the economy, it's like, well, no, that's the things that you should start questioning, right? Um, so the point that led me into um, that huge rant was I was going to talk about um, blasphemy law or those laws which exist for um, suppressing questioning against state actors or the government itself. Uh, a number of monarchies have them. We kind of have them in Canada to some degree. Uh, there are certain laws that are, you know, we have some thought crime, which is, you know, not ideal um, for a Western free society, uh, as they like to suggest we are. Um, so, I mean, there's there are kind of exceptions to it, uh, but the the murdering of people for merely questioning, uh, and especially when questioning something that should be questioned, right? I mean, if you're not if somebody's claiming to be an instrument of the divine, that's I'm sorry that whatever the claim is, that has to be well open to being hugely scrutinized the greater the claim the greater the level of scrutiny you know if i was to confess some kind of superpower other than the base level ability to question which i suggest is our human superpower then i should be subject to several levels of questioning about a the nature and hey uh well let's see you prove that kind of thing so when the reaction to the questioning mind which is our inherent natural state um is to suppress, kill, or otherwise admonish, go after. I mean, and we're seeing this in, a, and again, going beyond just, I don't want to, and to appease people, I will not stay anywhere just in the theological realm. Um, state actors are just as uh, responsible for this kind of behavior because they don't want uh, people to question. <laughs> it doesn't serve their agenda, right? And um, very recently, uh, we're seeing this going on with China and um, and Hong Kong and the fact that nobody's talking about Hong Kong and almost nobody's questioning why nobody's talking about Hong Kong and these sustained demonstrations for democracy, which are kind of like a resurrection of a pre previous democracy movement. And a lot of it is, is being sparked by concerns that the, you know, greater repressions on the mainland are going to be delivered unto the people of Hong Kong, which is not so unreasonable fear to have, which is why there is such a widespread and significant um, series of events going on in Hong Kong, why it's so sustained. And people don't question what's going on there. And it's kind of like, um, hello, really? 
Um, and the fact that, you know, so uh, Buddy in the NBA questions, doesn't even really question, he just shows, throws up a tweet of support, lamb base, China's like backing it. Anyway, the retribution for the tweet is so crazy off the scale, that makes me question more about what the plans are, right? If there, if there was nothing but happy plans for all of the people, then there's no need to have massive military crackdowns and like, well, the, the triad should not be running through towns and beating up people. Um, the government really should not be in bed with organized crime in order to engage in, a, you know, an, an act of suppression against the civilian population for democratic and largely the and the escalations now you know people are not questioning that the escalations are being thrown on to the pro oh well the protests have turned violent now so we're going to bring down the military it's like well hold on a second you know you did start using live bullets on people uh it's kind of understandable that it's gonna it's gonna start growing as protesters start dying uh and you know thousands are being hauled off and yet you know uh the weird language of the apologies too is is very strange to me and that's that's the kind of that's the stuff that makes me that's if that's what makes a natural kind of questioning and we have other uh, factors which cause us to stop questioning and i'm not saying china doesn't have the economic clout to do whatever the hell it wants at this point in the game because it spent the last 20 years acquiring the debt of most of the Western world. So, you know, it has everybody on the hook. It has their, you know, economic testicles in their hand, for lack of a better analogy. And so, of course, the world is not going to call them on it. And, you know, the Taiwan question, naturally they're concerned too, because if the world just stands by and does nothing, after or before or fails to prevent a crackdown um that's gonna you know send a signal to taiwan and who knows like the, the geopolitics in that region and while there's thousands of different core components and obviously the you know essentially the colonial stealing of asiatic lands is a problematic component of history in resolving that and the china question is absolutely a, a function of um, cultural integration and a, a component for Asian society to be largely trying to deal with itself. But, you know, you can't, as a member of the global community, and have the people of Hong Kong who have enjoyed a res relative level of freedom, have that level of freedom taken away from them. And naturally, they're concerned about that. And that stark contrast from the ability to quell life, because what's happening and the understory, right, for the question, and I'm kind of running over, probably shouldn't get anywhere near Hong Kong with this, is, but the fact that a lot of the anti-government or pro-democracy stuff inside mainland China, China, which is a real fear for the government, is coming out of Hong Kong, right? And so there's people that the Chinese government wants to kind of go after, but the Hong Kong laws don't allow them to so easily do those things. And so that's a danger. So it's seen as there's a bit of a problem. And the whole, as I mentioned before, the Hong Kong-Taiwan connection, um, it is, there's, there's some ties there. So um, 
absolutely China has a huge, 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 massive vested interest in turning the tide on that and is trying to maintain the integrity of what the state there has determined to be their country. But the, the huge, huge pressure relating to a person who, while connected to an organization that probably, you know, he probably should have realized, wait a minute, maybe with the job I have in the organization that I represent, uh, given the rocket's tie um, to China, I probably should keep my mouth shut. But they didn't, and the self-censoring, like, I don't want people to self-censor, especially on the idea of economic consequence. And so questioning, that's natural. That's the whole point of this, is to question is natural. But to not accept rationality and to not accept answers, and to continue to question or to, you know, the, and that's where we're seeing like this flat earth and anti-vax kind of stuff. It's like, all right, well, I appreciate you're trying to tap into your evolutionary, you know, tool and this great gift that we've got, but maybe you need to start questioning why you hold on to a particular attachment or a belief. And if you are not willing to question everything that you hold dear to yourself, that's probably where you're going to find the stop part. So if you, if you ain't, if you want to find out, just question yourself. It's like, well, why do I, why do I believe this thing that I believe? And can you give yourself a concrete answer? So anyway, it's natural to question. You shouldn't try to interfere with the ability for people to question. It's anything that is valid generally has the ability to survive. Although don't necessarily hold, I, I so these poor scientists that, get put in front of media trying to explain things and doing an AMA and having no ability to do it. Don't necessarily hold the poor delivery agent who has the inability to answer questions responsible for whether or not science has answers for questions. That's, that's another fallacy we sometimes make. Anyway, um, I hope that this podcast finds you well and that um, you're not left with too many questions after, except for a desire to continue to question. Uh, if you've been questioning how you could support or um, throw us a little hand, uh, there is a GoFundMe, Better Policies for Better World. And um, I'll talk to you next time.